Welcome to True Paranormal, the podcast with your host, Leo Rizzuti. Each and every week we will explore different aspects of the paranormal, share listener stories, and have in-depth discussions with investigators and scholars who have devoted their lives to understanding the unknown. Topics will include ghosts, poltergeists, EVPs, shadow people, psychic encounters, urban legends, cryptozoology, time shifts, mystery spots, haunted history, demons, and anything else from the world of the weird and unexplained. So grab a cup of coffee, dim the lights, sit back, and prepare for a short journey into the world of the true paranormal. Hi guys, Leo Rizzuti here. Welcome to another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. Uh, And before we get into our show, I would like to start off by thanking you guys for joining us this week and every week like you guys always do. We are now officially over 7,500 listeners every week, which is incredible considering the short amount of time that we have been on the air. That's just a testament to you guys. You guys are absolutely the best audience in the world and love every single one of you guys. And you're the whole reason we do the show. We share your guys' story and we hope to educate and entertain you folks. And looks like you guys are tuning in uh, for exactly that. So we really appreciate it here at True Paranormal, the podcast. And we're also in about, looks like about 17 different countries, which is incredible. Of course, we're... uh, We're going strong in the United States and the British Isles, and as I've mentioned before, amazingly, New Zealand and Australia, but we've also got listeners in uh, India, in, uh, looks like we got folks in Peru, in Mexico, in Guam, uh, just all over the place, which is absolutely astounding to me uh, that you guys are coming in from everywhere, seemingly. But hey, we're glad to have you folks, and again, we really appreciate you guys tuning in every week. Also, we are going to be doing a special episode in a couple of weeks where uh, we've gotten some questions regarding different aspects of the paranormal, and so we thought we might do an episode of uh, questions and answers. So if you guys have any questions or any things that you're wanting to know specifically about any area of the paranormal If you would, we're going to put up a post on our Facebook page uh, specifically for that purpose. And if you guys would drop your questions there and we'll be glad to answer them on the air in a couple of weeks. So you guys uh, just hit our Facebook page at True Paranormal, the podcast, and go ahead and join in the conversation on that. But this week, we are going to be once again sharing listener stories and we've got quite a few for you guys. So buckle up and get ready. We're going right into that. Our first story of the evening comes to us from a listener named Danny, and she has given it the title, Sam. Okay, Danny, let's see what you sent to us. I wanted to tell you about the haunted house that I grew up in. My parents moved there before I was born and still live in the same house. My mother hears doors close all day long, though when you check, no doors will actually be closed. Besides this, She hears lots of other strange things. Voices, kind of like a whispering sound when no one else is there. Knocks on the walls and the doors. Things like that. 
Every time I go there, I will feel a presence in the house. I don't know if there is one spirit or many. I have felt things touching me. Sometimes they will feel like hands, but other times it will be almost like a bar, cylindrical and kind of heavy. I would never be asleep when I felt these. At least once that I remember, I was in the den watching TV when I felt the bar thing move along my leg, like it was rolling slowly back and forth. We also have all had the corner of the eye type of sightings, but never anything really definitive or directly in front of you. There was always some sort of activity happening, so much that we became very blasé about all of it and it simply became another element of our day-to-day lives. I came to call the ghost Sam, mostly because I didn't know anyone by that name. One time, when I was lying in bed and about to fall asleep, I heard the large stack of my papers fall to the floor from my desk. Too tired to be bothered with getting up, I said, Sam, I didn't do that, and I'm not picking it up. Having experienced things like this to the point where I was no longer startled by them, I then fell asleep. In the morning, amazingly enough, there were no papers on the floor, but they were in a slightly different position on my desk. Sam seemed to just make noises mostly. Our kitchen had a tile countertop and we used plastic glasses. The sound of those glasses moving across the counter is unmistakable and can be heard through the house, especially when everything is quiet. At night, even though I knew no one was up, I could often hear glasses go across the counter and kitchen chairs being moved on the kitchen floor. My parents both heard the distinct sounds of the wood-burning stove being opened, the poker being moved from the holder, the fire being poked, and then the poker being replaced, and the door being shut back. All of these things are very, very distinctive sounds. My parents are educated, logical people, but they've both heard it. In the beginning, they thought that it was me having snuck up to watch TV, but when they checked, I would be sound asleep. Even people we haven't told any stories to would comment on feeling creepy around the house, and especially in the basement, like at my sister's sleepovers. There were too many girls for everyone to sleep upstairs, and so they had all taken their sleeping bags downstairs. Without even starting their usual telling of ghost stories, they commented on feeling something down there. Don't get me wrong, I don't think Sam is evil at all. If I was at home alone and scared of the noises in the house, I would tell Sam I was scared to be alone and simply ask him not to scare me with any strange noises. Every time I did this, I wouldn't hear any all night. I'm not sure, however, that he was the only ghost. I would definitely feel threatened and frightened at times. I could feel a presence that was not friendly and did not have the same feel as when Sam was there and maybe it was simply that I overreacted to my feelings and felt threatened. However, one time I was awakened from a deep sleep by pressure on my shoulders and at my side. It was as if a dog were standing over me. My first thought was that my old dog who had been very sick, had finally died and was saying goodbye. But after just a moment, 
I became terrified. I tried to cry out, but couldn't. When I finally could get an audible squeak out from my mother, it went away immediately. I then jumped out of the bed to check on my dog, who thankfully was still alive. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, was not a friendly spirit. Now, I don't know what gifts I have in the way of the supernatural, but I have been told that I have some. I have dreams that sometimes come true. I sometimes know things that I have no way of knowing, and I feel certain presences occasionally. They make me uneasy, and I wish that I could either not feel them or feel at ease with them. I knew there was something in my house and was sensitive to that. Ouija boards and movies like the Amityville Horror simply terrified me. However, my sister talked me into using a Ouija board in my room once and the activity got so bad that I never wanted to touch one again. As I'm writing this, I am talking to my mother now about our house ghost. She said that she has also felt things touch her, especially in bed at night. We both have felt things move on the bed. She said that she has felt like there was someone on top keeping her from getting up. She says she still hears things, but they are always at the other end of the house. My sister says she has never had any experiences, and she thinks that maybe I'm making it up. Not like a lie, but like a hypochondriac who can really make themselves sick just by talking about it. I told her that I think I am just more sensitive to these things than she is. I find it unlikely that my mother and I would both make up the same kind of experiences separately. We never discussed them until I was older and never really talked about them much at all. In fact, I didn't know until tonight that she felt pressures holding her down in bed. My sister did say that she had felt pressures, but not necessarily just at my parents' house. She just considers it a freaky nerve thing, her body rather than her mind playing tricks on her. She never considered the possibility of a supernatural explanation for it. I conceded to her that there is the possibility that the pressure could just be a strange nerve reaction of some kind, but the sounds went on for years. I have even discarded a lot of the shapes that I would see in the hall outside of my door over the years as being due to the unclearness of night vision or perhaps childhood imagination when I was younger. But that doesn't explain the happenings when I was a teenager and awake in broad daylight. Wow, Danny, that was an absolutely incredible story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And it does sound kind of like you and maybe your mother also are both uh, fairly sensitive and I am of the firm belief that there are folks who are more sensitive than others to paranormal activity or spiritual going-ons, things like that. Call it uh, being sensitive, call it uh, the gift of discernment, uh, whatever you want to call it, but there are definitely people who can sense things that other people can't, and sounds like it might be the situation with you and your mom. And I understand the sentiment where you're saying, you know, you'd like to either not sense these things or be at ease with them and most of the time you can't really get rid of a gift like that um most folks who have tried to just ignore it find that it just gets worse and they don't really have any control over it so that's not a good situation 
the best thing to do is actually to try to hone and practice those gifts as much as you can. And the only way to do that is to sit and maybe meditate or get in some groups where folks talk about uh, gifts and see what they do to kind of get better at them. Because the more you practice, the more relaxed you get with those gifts, the easier it's going to be for you to control. And also the more relaxed you're going to be with the input coming into your mind and into your body. So it's not going to be as much of an overwhelming feeling. It is absolutely amazing to me, by the way, that people in the same house can have so many different experiences or you have folks who have wild experiences and maybe somebody else in the house has nothing. And a lot of times we see that where negative entities are involved. It sounds like you might have something funky going on there. Maybe not the spirit that you call Sam, but the other one that you didn't name uh, that is a little more aggressive. A lot of times negative entities will show themselves, reveal themselves to one or two people in a house while not revealing themselves to the other people in the house. And the reason they do that is they feed off of conflict. They feed off of negative energies coming out of us. So what they're doing is they're trying to cause disbelief. They're trying to cause uh, mistrust between folks and they're trying to cause conflict. And they use that like a battery. They feed off of it. So keep that in mind. Your sister might not necessarily believe exactly what you believe. And she might think that there's a logical explanation to it, but that doesn't mean that what you are experiencing is not valid, nor does it mean that she's just trying to brush off what you are experiencing. She's got a completely different set of experiences that she's dealing with. So keep that in mind and try to have a little bit of patience with her. At any rate, thank you very much, Danny, for sharing your story. That was absolutely incredible. Okay, our next story comes to us from Andrew, and he has titled it, A Terrifying Encounter. Okay, Andrew, let's jump right into your story. I was always creeped out by demons and ghosts and whatnot, and yet deeply interested at the same time. I remember the first time I snuck downstairs after my dad had gone to bed and watched the original Exorcist. I was ten, and it scared me senseless. I wouldn't even touch the movie to put it back into the box that came from Blockbuster. Okay, okay, hold on one second. I might need to explain to some of our younger listeners exactly what a Blockbuster is. Blockbuster is a store from the uh, Cretaceous era, (laughs) apparently, where they would actually rent videos to folks. It wasn't, you didn't have Netflix, you didn't have uh, Amazon Prime or streaming or anything like that. If you wanted to watch a movie and it wasn't coming on TV and it wasn't at the theaters, you had to get in your car and you had to ride your little happy butt right down to Blockbuster and sort through their shelves of movies. And um, I know it sounds weird that he was putting it in a box, but it was a videotape. And again, to explain that, a videotape is like a giant cassette tape that you would put in a machine called a VCR. And (laughs) you would play these movies. And then you would have to physically rewind the movies. It wasn't like a DVD or a digital stream. So anyway, a little history lesson for you guys. We'll get back to uh, Andrew's story now. Thank you. Well, one night a few years later, I was in my room watching TV until I finally drifted off to sleep. 
what happened next would forever change my beliefs, faith, and understanding of anything spiritual. As I was sleeping, something seemingly lifted me off of my bed and threw me across my room and into the closet door, which obviously made a loud noise and woke me up. I awoke to find myself on the floor, shaking violently, and all I could hear was these very weird noises. I don't even know how to describe them. They were sort of like noises that someone would make when they were having convulsions, and all I could see in my room was a thick, white haze. It lasted for around five seconds until I finally came to my senses and gathered everything, stood up, and ran into the hallway. I looked towards the living room stairs and I saw something shadowy run up them. I chased. I was scared, but I had been attacked and I wasn't going to let this thing get away. When I got upstairs, nothing was there. So I went to my dad's room to find him fast asleep, drool on his pillow and everything. Whatever went up those steps did it in a very quick and very quiet manner. Days passed and I was still spooked by the continuing weird noises and whatnot around the house when the next major thing happened. Once again, I was trying to fall asleep in my dad's room. Since my first experience, falling asleep had been very hard. I had to force myself to sleep and even then it would be an uneasy kind of sleep. Finally, I was starting to drift away when my body seemingly locked up and everything went black. My lungs felt weighted down by some force and my head suddenly went numb. Then I heard something, a voice, very dark, very deep, chanting words that I couldn't understand. I was so terrified. I couldn't get away. It lasted for a few moments and then was suddenly gone, leaving me shaking and up for another hour, wondering just what was going on. I never told my dad. I never even told my grandma. I only told my closest friend, Matt. He came over the next day to spend the night. I wanted him to, as I was totally freaked out. I didn't necessarily want anything to happen to him, but I needed someone else there to witness what was happening and to try and calm me down. At one point that night, while of course nothing had happened, Matt had to go back home to get something. When he got back, he said something creepy happened to him on the way. Someone at the bus stop stared at him. Someone with what he would only say were reddish eyes. Matt spent the night and I tried to calm my nerves. Then, as suddenly as everything had started, everything stopped. Nothing has ever happened since then and for this I'm so thankful to God. I know that I have him on my side and I believe he protects me now from any evil force. Whoa, Andrew, very cool story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think it's wild we had two stories back to back where folks are experiencing some form of sleep paralysis or something akin to that at least. And for those of you guys who may not know, sleep paralysis is a phenomenon where the body locks up. It usually occurs right before you go to sleep. And there are a lot of theories as to why sleep paralysis occurs. Some folks think that it is a preventative 
uh, measure by your body to make sure that you don't fall over off of a cliff or something in your sleep or maybe you don't flail around or helps you to actually fall asleep faster. Other people think that it's your brain changing gears from an active conscious to a more subconscious and REM type of mindset. But at any rate, what happens is your body locks up and you will be able to see and sense everything going around you, but you cannot speak, you can't move, you can't do anything. And it's an actual measurable scientific phenomenon. We have done studies on it and it's something that happens to some people a lot. And we do see that in conjunction with hauntings. The difference with haunting sleep paralysis and common sleep paralysis is oftentimes the haunting sleep paralysis occurs not when you're about to fall asleep. You could be just resting, reading a book, or you could be watching television, laying in your bed, and all of a sudden you will not be able to move. And then at the same time, you experience other things. You experience, like the young lady in the last story, you experience something sitting on you and pressing down, and you feel things around you. Or like with this gentleman here, again, he felt some weight on him, and he experienced some blackouts and things like that, which actually... Uh, Andrew kind of lends itself more towards the clinical sleep paralysis. A lot of times folks will black out whenever that happens. But at any rate, it's definitely terrifying when it happens, whether it is in accordance with paranormal activity or just a standard, I want to say, run-of-the-mill type of sleep paralysis. In either case, it is absolutely terrifying. Having experienced it myself, it is not fun. But um, it does sound like you've got some funky stuff going on there. And I think it's uh, a little disturbing that your, your buddy would experience something away from the house as he was going to his house and back at a bus stop. Uh, that kind of lends itself to thinking that maybe something's following folks around, which is never a good thing. But at any rate, I really appreciate you sending your story into us, Andrew. That was very cool. Thank you very, very much. Okay, our next story comes to us from Logan, and he has given it the title, King's Bend. Okay, Logan, let's see what King's Bend is all about. Let me start out by saying that before this experience, I was a firm non-believer. There exists a moment in this story, however, that I actually thought, holy crap, ghosts are real. It was that vivid that clear, and that undeniable. I was 18 at this time, accompanied by three others who were the same age. We decided to go out and rough it for a night with a camping trip. The area we went to was accessible only by ATV, and it sat right on the bank of the creek, visible on the map. This giant bend in the creek is referred to as King's Bend by the locals and is known for good fishing in the daytime and a place to avoid like the plague at night. Here's a little backstory that I discovered after the events happened. There are two train tunnels that run under the hills in this area. They were built way back in the day by cheap labor and the few who died during this process were buried in shoddy, unmarked graves close to where we camped. There is also a large field to the west of the campsite. It has a house on it which I believe is used by West Virginia state troopers as a camping ground. The house was taken over by the state after a shootout occurred there in which several members of a local group of men were killed by the police in a raid. 
just up the creek a ways from our site, a large old dead tree hangs out over the water where a man had hung himself many years earlier. Also, and I wish we had known about all these before we went camping, a woman and her child had drowned in a canoe accident. And of course I learned later that this occurred in the creek directly in front of our camping site. So, with all that out of the way, and remember, we had no clue of any of this as we went down that night, I begin my story. My cousins, friends, and I gathered up our camping supplies, fishing poles, food, etc., and headed down while the sun was still up, although it was getting close to setting. In the last hours of daytime, we started our fire, set up our tents, and started goofing off a little. Mind you, there was no alcohol, drugs, or any other things that would have impaired our perceptions used. This was all witnessed, felt, or heard by everyone involved. It was not long after the sunset and total darkness was upon us that the first sign that something wasn't right began. My cousin and I were sitting on the bank of the creek, roughly 30 feet from our camping site. We had a spotlight, shining it down in the water, spotting fish and trying to spear them. We weren't very successful, but that's not the important part. After about three minutes of doing this, we noticed that every time we would shut the light off, we would hear a sloshing in the water. It was very distinctly the sound of someone walking through water. When we turned the light back on, you could see waves and ripples in the water, but no one was present to cause them. Now, I'm not talking about slight ripples that could be caused by a fish or something else, but very heavy, rough ripples that needed weight to cause. This alone was not enough to cause concern, but my cousin and I did look at each other thinking, that's weird, before we went on about our business. Sitting back at the campsite, with the fire raging in front of us, we started shooting the breeze and enjoying the night. However, it wasn't long before, once again, weird things started happening. We started hearing voices echoing off the hillside. They were more like whispers, but they were loud, if that makes any sense. At first, this wouldn't be cause for alarm as people hunt for raccoon at all times of the night. However, the voices never got louder or softer. They stayed the exact same volume. They sounded like they were practically on top of us. They were so clear and loud that it sounded to me like someone was whispering directly into my ear. Only when we talked about it later, everyone was hearing it that way. So it was like one voice was whispering into our collective ears. We looked around in our immediate area, but found nothing. There were tall weeds and grass in the area around our campsite, and once or twice it sounded like someone ran through them. Solid thuds on the ground, grass thrashing and moving violently. The fear had begun to sunk in. At first the voice was very hushed and distinct, but clearly audible. After two to three minutes, it started to become more apparent. The voice was whispering about us. What are they doing here? They need to leave. You shouldn't be here. If this sounds like something out of a horror novel, I'm 1000% inclined to agree with you. At this point, sheer panic broke out. We decided at that moment to leave quickly. 
The ATV was parked just out of firelight, still visible, but only faintly. As I stood up, looked at my friends, and told them that we needed to go, I started to jog towards the ATV to get it started while my friends got what they absolutely couldn't leave behind that night. I was looking over my shoulder at first when I turned to look ahead at the ATV. I was literally frozen in place at what I saw. Standing just beside the ATV, under a tree, was the outline of a tall man in what looked like a hat. You could see no details. It was just blackness. You could see through it as if it were transparent, but what was beyond looked twisted and distorted, like maybe looking through water or something. It was so dark that it stood out against the pitch black night behind it. Remembering that we were in a forested valley in between two other large hills, and the moon wasn't giving much illumination where we were, so it was dark. And this thing was darker than that. There were no cliched things like red eyes as I've heard about in other encounters. Of course, I'm sure there are variants of every type of supernatural thing. He had no feet. It just sort of ended at his ankles in wavy lines, almost like what heat waves look like above a fire. My heart sank into my stomach, and undeniable feel of fear and revulsion took over. I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I was rooted on the spot from the moment I laid eyes on it. This is the moment where I realized, holy crap, ghosts are real. My cousin came up just beside me at that time and saw it too. He was also just as frozen on the spot. After about 10 to 15 seconds, eh, I don't really know, it seemed like an eternity to me. It sort of like zipped back in the direction of the train tunnels. The best way I can describe it is if you remember the flash, how he sort of had an outline of himself behind him as he moved really fast. Just like that. It just went very, very quickly, back into the darkness and disappeared. We got on the ATV and hauled out of there with full fury, like the hounds of hell were on our tail, because for all we knew, they were. We spent the night indoors, wide awake, scared to death while we tried to rationalize and make sense of what we had just experienced. It wasn't until afterwards that I learned about all the things I wrote about above, and heard from men who are hard men, guys who show no fear to any living thing that I wouldn't want to cross under any circumstances, that even they avoid that area at night. Nobody goes through that section after the sun goes down. We didn't know this, of course, or we would have heeded their advice. If any of this sounds unbelievable, I don't blame you one bit. If someone told me this story, I would laugh at them and call them a storyteller or something else. But I am not one to tell stories myself, and I can tell you that what I have written did happen, and it changed my life. It really led me to question life, death, and what happens afterwards. Thank you for sharing my experiences on your show. Oh my lord, Logan, thank you for sharing that story with us. That was super, super creepy, man. And I have been through the woods in West Virginia at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I can tell you from experience, I know exactly what you're talking about. It, it is just pitch black out there, especially when you get any 
distance away from civilization, there is you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's so dark. And to think that there was something out there that was blacker than that, that apparently was just sitting there checking you guys out, that uh, that would not be the most comfortable experience I would ever have. And it certainly would convince me, if I was not already a believer, that yes, indeed, there are things out there that do not have a logical explanation for it. Um, and it's also incredible that so many of you guys witness the same thing. It's very, very rare that you have a group of people that can all verify each other's stories where, especially younger folks, where there aren't drugs or alcohol or anything like that involved. Um, the good thing that you guys did have everybody there to support you as witnesses because you're right, a lot of times stories that like that people just will not believe, but if you have three or four folks that are all saying, yes, that definitely happened, you tend to believe a little bit better. But we believe you here. I uh, do appreciate you sending your story, Logan. Thanks a lot. Our last story of the evening comes to us from Jean, and she has given it the title, Motel from Hell. Okay, Jean, let's hear about the Motel from Hell. This is a story about what happened to me when I visited the United States in 1985. In my opinion, this is one of the scariest stories you will ever hear in your lives. It is certainly the scariest thing that has ever happened to me in my life. July 21st, 1985, Santa Fe, New Mexico. I had just landed down in Santa Fe in my Boeing 737. As I drove towards my motel in Watts Beach, I had several strange occurrences happen. When I was driving on the thin two-lane highway, it started getting dark, very dark. It started pouring down rain. Again, it was very dark and now with strong winds that came up instantly. I pulled over and took out a road map to see if I was heading the right way because Watts Beach had been known for beautiful weather and this was the opposite of what I was expecting. I figured out that I was going the right way, but still could not figure out why there was such horrible weather when all the reports had been for clear skies during my entire stay. I was folding up my road map to put it away when I saw two white circles on the lane beside me. I looked around for anything, a person, a hole in the clouds, but there was nothing. As I was looking around, I saw that there was a tiny graveyard with a heavily damaged clay wall with tiles on the top. You could easily see the tallest gravestone there. In front of it, you could see with the naked eye a faint white mist walking around the small graveyard. I just told myself that it's not there. I put the car in drive and drove away as fast as I could. I made it through the deluge and to the hotel safely to find no cars in the parking lot except for a white cargo van and a teal Ford Mustang with a tan top. I parked the car right next to the Mustang, collected my two suitcases, and ran into the lobby. There in the lobby were two chairs, a plant, and a long front desk covered in stucco and stones. I walked up to the counter to find a woman wearing blue jeans and polo shirt. I checked in and got a room on the top story. I got to my suite, which ended up being a very shabby room with a small living room containing a love seat, a small TV a round table with two chairs, and a tiny balcony with a white plastic chair covered in dust. I went into the bedroom section and a single window lit in the faint light, with which I made out a queen bed, a dresser with a mirror, 
another small TV, and an end chair. I threw my luggage on the end chair and collapsed onto my bed to find it very, very cold, even though the room was not. I got up instantly and went into the bathroom to maybe take a warm bath. I started the water and found that the hot side didn't work, only the cold. Giving up on my bath, I decided to then just go outside onto the balcony. Of course, when I tried to open the sliding glass door, it was jammed, which was a shame because even through the rain, the balcony looked over the small beach, the lake, and the small town of Watts Beach. Frustrated, I decided to go down to the front desk with my list of complaints. I got into the elevator where the light started flickering inside, something that didn't happen on the way up. It dinged when it got to the bottom level, but the doors didn't open until after about 30 seconds. I looked outside the front doors and the teal Mustang wasn't there. A note on the front desk said, be back in 10 minutes. Thank you for your patience. The thunderstorm had gotten worse. I decided to go back to my room, but being creeped out by the elevator, I used the stairs this time. I thought, this old hotel is rotting and falling apart. I went to lay down on the bed, which by the way was no longer freezing cold, and immediately fell asleep. At exactly 1.17 in the morning, I was snapped awake by knocking, but not on the main door. This was clearly coming from the balcony door. Then I heard strange howling out in the hall. The clock light went out and I tried to turn on the lamp only to find that the power was out. I went over to the small window and looking out you could see small, white, misty balls on the pool deck and a strange pure white mist floating over the pool. The thumping sound started again on the balcony door but louder this time. I went over to the door that entered into the living room and I slowly opened it. A bright white fog was outside the living room window as, and as I looked at it, a fog face appeared, then dissipated immediately. The fog went away just as quickly and I realized that my clothes were absolutely soaked in sweat and my heart was pounding. I had to get out of there. Since I had the same clothes on from when I got there, I simply got my luggage and ran out. The hallway was pitch black and there was a small white light at the end of the hallway. I ran over to the stairs and started walking. I could hear faint footsteps behind me getting closer. I entered the lobby to find that one candle was lighting the whole lobby. The footsteps stopped after I slammed the door. I threw the key over the lobby desk and ran out the door with my luggage. I slung my luggage into the back seat and started the car. Looking behind me, I could see that the Be Back in 10 sign from hours ago was still there. I backed out of the space and headed onto the small highway towards Santa Fe. I returned my car, got a new flight back to Milan. I got on my flight and will never go to New Mexico again. Wow, Gene, you are right. That is a creepy story. I got goosebumps just telling that. That was absolutely incredible. I will tell you, um, the desert, while I love the desert, the desert is absolutely gorgeous, but it is an area where there is an expectation. It's almost commonplace 
to have bizarre occurrences happen. There are dead spaces in the desert, and by dead space, I mean there are areas where you can talk to somebody that's just a few feet away from you, and the sound won't be able to reach them. There are temperature fluctuations and mists and phantom cars and all kinds of funky stories come out of the desert. It is definitely not the normal run-of-the-mill place to go in. I've been to Mexico once, and it is absolutely gorgeous. I would definitely say that if you are going to vacation in the southwest of the United States, New Mexico is definitely one of the places I would choose. But if I had the experiences that you had, Gene, I would I would definitely think twice about going back there, no matter how pretty it is. It would make me think, I don't know that I necessarily want to go back um, and yes, I agree that that is absolutely a terrifying experience. But hey, I thank you for sharing your story with us. That was incredible. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of True Paranormal, the podcast. I would like to thank Danny and Andrew and Gene and Logan for sharing your stories with us. You guys are absolute rock stars. And if you would like to be a rock star and have your story shared on one of our future broadcasts, simply check us out at Facebook at True Paranormal the podcast, and you'll see a message us button and you'll see an email me button. Hit either one of those and just jot down your story real quick to us. We would be glad to share it on the air, make you famous. Um, also, we are on Twitter at True Para Podcast, and we're also on YouTube now. Yay, we're meeting the 21st century head-on, I guess. <laughs> but we're on YouTube. Uh, look for us there. Again, True Paranormal, the podcast, is our channel. And iTunes. Of course, we're on iTunes. We're on a lot of different platforms. We're trying to do as much as we can to make it as easy as possible for you guys to partake in the show. So on any of those platforms, if you would, subscribe to us and give us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear the feedback from you guys as to how you think the show is going. Don't forget our special episode coming up in a couple of weeks where we're going to be doing questions and answers. Once again, check out our Facebook page for that, or you can email that stuff to us at trueparanormalpodcast at gmail.com, and we will be glad to answer any questions that you guys would possibly have. That being said, this is Leo Rizzuti, and I would like to thank you guys for joining us this week and every week. Be sure to join us next week for another episode of True Paranormal, the podcast.